Quick, name two music videos that Iman was in. Could not do that. I Iman. just sang. I just Come sang on. one. <laughs> Didn't, Iman. Uh, Iman. Jeez. Uh, uh, probably a David Bowie video, I would assume. You would think. Actually, the two so I'm thinking, before, she was before not the William in. Shatner f- her as a shape changer. He f***ed himself. Oh! Uh, that's a, the biggest ego Probably trip your of lifelong all. ambition. <laughs> what is it with you? This is one of his his worst delivered comedic lines. Uh, <laughs> I still love what? it. Yeah, I, I, it's fine, but when he, when, he yeah. gives the, when he gives the probably your lifelong ambition, it just... You're, I mean, you're, you're telling me nobody saw that big patch of Velcro on his shoulder? <laughs> I, I still can't believe that to this day. I was like, does nobody see that? Really? Well, that well, you gotta... They're the Klingons. They're not that smart. Uh, <laughs> so go ahead. What are the two videos, Doc? Uh, the one I just sang, which was uh, Jermaine Jackson, um, Jesus. Do What You Did to Me. It was like a film noir thing. And the other one was another Michael Jackson video. She played the... Uh, yeah. In Remember the Time where Eddie Murphy was the yes. pharaoh? Iman played his her, his wife. Yes. yes. Do you remember <laughs> when we barely loved? See, love this is song. why, despite being really tired, I went on tonight. Because I needed a good laugh. Shoot <laughs> <laughs> Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. Back to the bin. Ah, uh, love the Wilburys. Yeah, me too. I, I that is one of my all-time favorite albums. That first Wilburys album. That it's so good, top to bottom. Yeah, Bob Jeff Dylan had his illegitimate son, Tom Petty, on there. With his own right, even. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> tell me Tom Petty is not related to Bobby. You don't have to live like a refugee. You don't have to live like a refugee. They, well, both, they both have a very distinct voice, but I don't think they sound like each other. I don't either. Ah, oh, you guys are high. Me? I'm as straight as they come, man. You want you high? S- get Honeywell on the line. You, you. You want to see if you go in my my kitchen right now, you'll swear to God it's a remake of Scarface in there right now, because my wife's making Cocaine? something called. That's what it looks like, but it's powdered sugar and it's f- flipping everywhere. Have you been snorting look, it? <laughs> hey, I'm diabetic, man. What are you there? Crazy? <laughs> so you kill me. It, <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, puppy chow. You guys ever heard of puppy chow? No. It's this dessert that my wife makes. It's like some Christmas thing that she does every year. It's Bill. It's dog food. <laughs> is it made of puppies? <laughs> and it's delicious. <laughs> no, that, that was you were just channeling Scott Gardner there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I was. Hey, how's it going? Brains. <laughs> <laughs> no, you take. It, but I can't eat any of it because it will kill me. Because you know, <laughs> too much sugar, dude. She takes she takes six gallons of piss warm <laughs> Mountain Dew. <I'll do. laughs> non diet. 
No. You better be careful. Is, is she is she out for your uh, life insurance? You might just start leaving like <laughs> yeah. donuts around the house. Mm-hmm. You gotta watch if she ups Ooh. the uh, the premium. No, oh. she uh, she takes chocolate, you know, little chips, and then peanut butter, melts that together until it's like a liquidy mass, and then sounds she... like you. <laughs> <laughs> then she dumps rice checks in it and mixes it all together. And then she takes a bag of powdered sugar and dumps that in there and shakes it around until the powdered sugar sticks to everything. And it's like individual little pieces of rice checks with peanut butter, chocolate, and powdered Do sugar over it. pokey and you turn yourself, turn yourself around. <laughs> and then I look at it and go, I can't eat any dumb. And that's yeah. what it's all about. Just imagine, just imagine, you know, your foot in there, in the bowl. It's like, if I eat that, the beatus is going to get my foot. <laughs> <laughs> I put my left foot in, put my left foot out. I eat it, and my foot just falls off about. Yep, that's what's going to happen, man. Get the diabetes, and I turn myself around. I don't want you to have diabetes, Bill. I want you to have liverbetes. I want you to live. <laughs> I want to live. I live. I suddenly became Evil Kirk. <laughs> You're all swarthy. I'm Captain Kirk. <laughs> Oh, swarthy, uh, swarthy All right, so we got three pieces of email. You want to do those? Oh, really? Chris loves when we do email when he's on. Have what? we actually uh, started the show? No, we never actually brought it in. You want to do that? Chris, why don't you bring it in? Oh, Jesus. Why? Got it. Me? Um, hey, it's back to the bins, and I'm on it, so you're all screwed. That's How's it? That? That's your whole intro. How apropos. Whatever. I don't know what episode it is. Wait, come on. I, I don't I, I either. Listen to the show. Do you listen to the show? I listen to every show. When was the last time we actually said an episode number at the beginning? Oh, for crying out loud. I don't know. I'm trying to be a professional here, man. Well, that's your first mistake. Yeah, that's true. All right. Let's let... <clears throat> right. Pumpernickel. Pumpernickel. Uh, all right. Uh, it's time to light the lights. Okay. So, hey, and welcome to another thrilling episode of Back to the Bins. I am special guest host, Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero, and I am with the two usual rubes that are on this show, Mr. Producer Paul Spataro and Dr. Danger Will Robinson. How's it going? Danger is my middle name. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, no, no not, not really. It's Frank, but anyway. There's only one middle name anybody on this network cares about, and it begins with an H. So, <laughs> which yeah. is short for "How's it going?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, how's it going? How's it going? Yeah. So, uh, what do we have uh, lined up for tonight? Probably uh, some emails, right? <laughs> we got some emails. All right. Anybody will, have any uh, new comic news or anything? Um, I like comics. I have some. <laughs> I'd like more. Yeah, well, I saw, I saw. you know, it was funny that uh, I was saying uh, Professor Allen, you know, begged to be on this show. That was his first mistake. And then he made a point of saying about how, you know, yeah, there's no real guests on the Quarterbin podcast. And uh, then he had Scott on this week. So I'm yeah. thinking Professor Allen is dangerously close to joining the dead to me list. <laughs> Come on, man. Who else was going to talk about Rom Space Knight or whatever his name is? I would have talked about Rom. <laughs> I would have too. 
<laughs> I've never even read it. It would have been a good excuse for me to read it. Of course, I don't have a ROM sitting on my computer desk like Scott does, so I guess he might be more qualified than I. Uh, well, my my ROM is is in the basement with the lotion and whoa, the mask. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It puts it puts the ROM in a basket. <laughs> and, remember, and remember, kids, ROM spelled backwards is more. More ROM. Molderom. More ROM. Molderom. Molderom. Solarom. Boom. You guys, you guys recorded a uh, commentary yesterday. Uh, it wasn't a commentary. It was just a general BSing about the uh, the year's movies and the state of fandom, and it was just generally a, a feel good uh, ninety minutes of uh, two guys BSing so that we could get something out there. But but more is definitely coming. I'm sorry, I'm taking this off the rails already. But you knew what you were getting with me. Come on. Yeah, it's it's my fault. It is. It's all your fault. Well, you know what? Scott wasn't going to be on, and I had nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else. You know, I was going to say that, but I'm like, no, nah, let's work it in later somewhere else. But no! Oh, you can't, you, no, it has to go right <laughs> It has to go right in. Just like the gerbil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I think we're just about done here. Okay, first email for the night. Uh, oof, it's taking a dark turn here, just like, well, never mind. The gerbil, the gerbil did. did. <laughs> So the first email of the night is titled BTTB number 177 or Bill's Fortress of Solitude <laughs> from Tim Elliott. Greetings, Paul and Bill. And Greetings. Another great episode of BTTB. This is the first show since I started listening that I actually have both books you covered. I'm not a true Batman fan, but I picked up the issue because I'm a true Burn fan and I love me some Bob Layton art. I think the what's Bill doing in his Fortress of Solitude, a.k.a. his garage slash room slash man cave of banishment, could become a re- reoccurring part of the show. It would be an offshoot of real life with Dr. Bill Robinson. Call it Tales from the Garage with Dr. Bill and Alvin. I guess Alvin can be Snapper Carr. Keep them coming. <laughs> Cheers, Tim. I am not a ranger. Elliot from Texas. Thank you, Tim. I think, uh, oh, if the show needs anything, it's more just diversionary talk. (laughs) (laughs) So we will certainly consider making that a regular part of the show. (laughs) Thank you, Tim. Something something has to fill the dead air since uh, there's no more stories about stones. So, yeah. yeah, I don't. Hopefully, I'm not working on any more stones. Oh, uh, would you like me to take the next one? Sure. <coughs> me, me, me. La, la. <clears throat> and this one comes from Chris and Cindy Franklin and is entitled... Uh, hold on, I'm going to interrupt you. About 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 do you really think Cindy had anything to do with this? She probably She's wrote it. She's the brains. Do you really think she wrote in? Seriously. Look, that's, I'll just read what the email said. All right, all right. Just, just well, answer. that's just that's who it's from. Although it's only titled Chris at the end, so no, she probably did not. All right, I will. I will say no. Okay. 
May I continue? You may. Thank you. Back to the bins, number 175, Thanksgiving. Paul, Bill, and Scoot. First off, I'd be more than happy to stop by the show anytime you'd like uh, like to have me. Just let me know. Second, we, we, I... We will have to follow up with that and, and get Chris on. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he's here. But but he's here. He's right here now. We'll have to get a, di- a different Chris on once in a while. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Second, I agree with uh, Scott wholeheartedly about Scott. Jeff Johns. Scott wholeheartedly about Jeff Johns. In many ways, Johns was Anakin. Johns was Anakin Skywalker, the chosen one who was supposed to bring balance to the DCU. And at first, he did by moving the characters forward while reminding us of their rich past, much like a latter-day Roy Thomas. Then the Emperor Didito showed up and started whispering in his ear. Suddenly, his tales took much darker twists and sacred cows such as the earth to Superman were sacrificed for shock value. This culminated in the dissolution of the DCU or the Republic and the rise of the new 52 or the empire. <laughs> that is, that is a pretty good analogy. Oh my God. I can just, I can just picture the Dio now. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You want this, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> like, I can just, I can hear it. I can just hear it. <laughs> that is a good idea. Uh, there are uh, those who'd say, I mean, I'm doing a good idea right now, and I'm only just speaking normal. <laughs> well, to you, you are. Okay, go ahead. I know this is a generalization of the events, but it's a pretty apt analogy. <laughs> Actually, I'm not saying Didio is really evil, but I believe his thinking and direction influenced by John. Oh, excuse me. I believe his thinking and direction influenced John's very heavily, resulting in the version we have now. Can you imagine the current DC publishing a quiet character piece like this now? This is mature superhero comics. This is not adult in that it doesn't have gore and boobs. Well, it has boobs because, you know, Power Girl. It's mature because it takes a look at the characters during their their downtime and treats them as mature adults. In Wildcat's defense, I think the take on Mary Marvel at the time was she aged into adulthood when she said Shazam as well. So Wildcat have no way of knowing she was a minor. Yeah. Try that. Well, she was like 60. Try that excuse when, you know, you know, the cop arrests you at the bar. Hey, man, she looked 21 to me. <laughs> oh, and that JSA cover was definitely a, a homage to Norman Rockwell. Here's the image here. And I looked at that, and yeah, there's it's, it's to, you know, holding the turkey at the table. Yeah. Um, so, happy Thanksgiving, fellas. Chris Franklin, Supermates Podcast and Power Records Podcast. Thank you, Chris. And yes, we will definitely get you on, hopefully soon. But uh, nice email. I like that one. You, speaking of the, the the you know the Norman Rockwell ask, did you ever see the the painting? I think it was Alex Ross. I could be wrong, but it's Superman decorating the Christmas tree, and it looks like he's beckoning Batman in. Batman's all outside, wherever they are, and he's brooding. <laughs> Like, I can't go in and be joyous because I'm Batman. But it really does look like Superman's flipping him off. Like, hey, screw you, Batman. We're having a great time in here. (laughs) I got to find it. (laughs) Oh, man. Superman's a dick sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) When written in a certain way. Uh, The last email for today 
is from our friend Russell Bragg of the DC Presents podcast. And it is titled, Back to the Bins, number 178, Table Scraps and Leftovers plus Godfather Survey. Hi, guys. First, how long since it was just Paul and Scott doing Back to the Bins? Dr. Bill was missed, but I enjoyed the episode, as always. Concerning the Godfather survey, I know Dr. Bill more likely... I know Dr. Bill, more likely all of you, will give me grief for this, but I have never seen a Godfather movie. Insert shocks, shock sound effects here. Dun, dun, dun! But if there were comics, TV shows, merchandise, etc. associated with the movie, you might have your summer series Godfather Month. If not, I wouldn't mind coverage of it. I have learned so much from the two true freak shows. What's one more thing? I am sorry Scott had so much trouble with his comic. I couldn't tell what was going on either, but your synopsis <laughs> kept my interest. You always do a great job. A reminder to Scott, the organization S.H.I.E.L.D. does not carry a S.H.I.E.L.D. Anyway, maybe there were two characters named S.H.I.E.L.D. hoping for a future S.H.I.E.L.D. versus S.H.I.E.L.D. skirmish or something. Paul's comic was awesome. Let me repeat that. Paul's comic was awesome. <laughs> Were you editorializing hey, that, there? Wait, that's not in the email. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, Paul's comic was awesome was in the email, but not wait. Let me read that again. Paul's comic was awesome was in the email. Well, oh, now you got me but, doing it. But I read it again. <laughs> well, what, what is it you're saying there, Dr. Bill? I said nothing. <laughs> Paul was awesome. No, it's, it's Paul's comic was awesome. Not, now you said it again, didn't you? Okay, so let me get back to the email. Paul's comic was awesome. I, th I think I knew there was a story like this out there concerning Uncle Ben's killer, but had never heard it. It probably wasn't a necessary storyline, but it was pretty good. Are you guys gathering ideas for episode 200? Just curious. I've had an idea for episode 200 for a long time, but I've been lazy about getting the uh, the homework done to get it to get it ready. So, with any luck, I will start actually doing that soon. Looking forward to it. Hope all is well, especially Scott's wife. I once again thank you for keeping my Saturdays full of fun and laughter while I'm toiling away. Russell Bla Russell Bragg, Clarksburg. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. Thanks, Russell. We always appreciate your input. Thank you, sir. I think I listened. I started to listen to that, and I remember, or I don't know if it was a. Okay. Anyway, let me get a coherent thought. I've I, somewhere along the way, I've heard Scott mentioning Shield, and you guys were talking about the Shield series that's currently that or that was going on, and he said he hadn't read that. But no. that Shield series, no. the one that was done by Hickman, no. Are you sure? No, no, that's not what we. Talk. I could have swore I heard Scott say uh, something about that so that he hadn't read it, and he. There were like two he, characters in the book named the Shield. Oh, uh, okay. And, and Scott yeah. was kind of annoyed that they didn't really like. Uh, just, they never told you like the history of the two of them, or why they both had the same name, or anything like that. No, oh, okay. Right. So you don't have to pretend you listened. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I haven't I, had I, a I chance yet. I was confused. What, what do you do all day? Who? Me? Yeah. I work. Yeah, I do too. It's called put your earbuds in and go. Yeah, well, I'm not at a desk. Hello. What? I... Hello. Uh, you play it on the car radio. 
I don't <laughs> I don't drive all day. Then you put your earbuds in. <laughs> See? There's no excuse. It really is. I'm on const- I'm on construction it's, sites sometimes. You're not supposed to have earbuds in at all. I only basically one just in. I, I'm just you know going to paraphrase here, or I'm going to give my own interpretation of Bill speak. Is well, if I'm not in the show, I'm not listening. That's not Chris. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did, I'm on, I'm not on 95 percent of the shows, and I listen. I even listen to the stupid anime show. Oh, you have not listened to the anime show yet. I've thought about it. Yeah, he thought uh, about it. Don't re- he, hey, you keep talking, Bill. He's gonna not think about it. <laughs> At least I got him to download it. I got some numbers, baby. I got it on my iPod right now. If I need to go to sleep and I'm having trouble, I'll put it on. And you'll upload it back, so that way I'll get a negative. <laughs> Imagine if you could do that. You could screw with people this so sucked. bad. I don't. I'm putting this back. <laughs> I want my bandwidth back. I want my life back. It's too late. <laughs> you have kids. No. Anybody got any comics news of any sort? Um. um yeah, I guess so. I I I, uh, I splurged on myself and got the uh, Batman Whoa. 66 Blu-ray. Oh, okay. oh you did. It's supposed to like 140 ago. bucks, something like that. I got it at Best Buy. I think it was like 170. Oh, okay. Even I had, some, yeah, I had. Well, I had some. I had some gift card action for my birthday, so it was like, you know what? I might as well use it on something expensive. It sounds like they did a good job with putting some like really decent extras on there. Although the, I haven't it, checked it yet. There's some decent extras on there. Um, I mean, but just for the show alone, like it's it looks so good. It looks so good. You can see every seam, every wrinkle, every bit of Technicolor just right there. It's 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 a hoot. It, it's it's. I'm sure for you guys, this is me saying you're old. It'll be like when you were a kid watching it on the uh, the brand new color TV. So watching it on the mm-hmm. black and white TV with the screen in front of it to make it look like it's color. Ooh. Oh yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't actually have one of those. We 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 were obviously like wealthy because we had like a 13 inch color TV in the living room. Did you have one of the magnifying glasses to make the screen bigger? No. <laughs> did people really do but, that? Yeah. They, yeah, they did. But oh, yeah. when when I was really little, we had the TV set that was like in a big console. So it was oh, like yeah, I think it was maybe like a 19 or a 17 inch TV set. But the piece of was, you know piece of furniture it was in was like seven feet long. It was like the size of a Buick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, there was ones that had built-in stereo systems yeah, too. Yeah, that's what it had. It had the the Victrola. <laughs> There's something to be said about the craftsmanship on those. It's like, could you like if you made one of those now, a nice decorative piece, you know, made out of some nice wood and put a nice flat screen in it, probably look really nice. Well, I, th- I think it was you know it was a different era back then. If you think in like early early to mid '60s, TV hadn't been around that long, so I think it was kind of considered to be a little bit crass. To build your room around the TV set, or to you know to furnish your room around the TV set at that time. Oh boy, times have changed. Now, now, now you know we 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 get a, a TV that takes up a whole wall and mount it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a different it's a different era, but I, I think at that time, like the whole idea was, you're putting it inside a console so that that you can close the doors and you don't see the TV. Right. You know, all the time because you're you know, you wouldn't be watching it anything. You know, you wouldn't be watching it more than twenty two, twenty three hours a day. Well, well, back in the '60s and '70s, furniture was was impressive because it could kill you. 
because it was so <laughs> flipping heavy if you when you're trying to move it and stuff, especially those TVs, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Massive. Uh, my my parents' HD TV is like one of the first ones that Sony rolled out. It's only a 32 incher, but it's a tube and it's an HD TV. Thing weighs like 700 pounds. Yeah. Meanwhile, Dude. now you can get like a 70 inch TV set that you can carry yourself. Yep. Yep, you can. <laughs> the the hardest part about about carrying it is just paying for it. <laughs> yeah, that's where you feel the the sting. Not in your biceps, in your wallet. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so if that, anybody, uh, oh, go yeah. ahead. I was gonna say, if, so if anybody wants to uh, send me a, a fifty-inch TV, I, <laughs> I mean, why not? Free entertainment. <laughs> Give something back, people. Come on. I'm gonna crowdsource my TV. <laughs> well, we got we got to start the uh, bring Bill and Scott up for uh, Eternal Con fund. So anybody who wants to donate, donate See, a lot and donate now. Give and yep. give often. <laughs> yep. Yep. Maybe I'll start donating plasma or something. No, you need it. No. Oh, and, actually, and, they won't take take my blood because of uh, well, diabetes. Don't it's donate too, the plasma. Donate LCD. <laughs> <laughs> you know what LCD? Yeah, you know me. Oh, oh nice, nice. All right. Uh, I'm going to just rein us in now and say, right. uh, so we're going to do books? Yes. And uh, I, I got I to tip my hat to Mr. Tyler, who I invited on an hour ago, hour and a half at most. And uh, he's, he's on, he's ready, he's got a book synopsized, and go. All right, I guess I'm going. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to bring you guys the next installment of me covering Marvel Comics Sleepwalker, which uh, introduced on Back to the Bins uh, during Assistant Editors Month a couple months ago. Um, Sleepwalker number two dropped with the cover date of July 1991, was on sale on May 14th, 1991, for a whole dollar Rooney back when comics were still cheap and pretty good. Um Sleepwalker number two is titled Behind the Eight Ball. The writer and colorist was Bob Budiansky. The artist, interior, and cover was Brett Blevins. The letterer was Tom Orzakowski. And I don't really care about anybody else. So, as we follow up from Sleepwalker number one, I will read at the top of the splash page a little background here. Rick Sheridan was a happy, healthy college student with a promising future. But all that changed when an eerie creature began appearing, first in his dreams and then in the real world. Now his life in shambles, Rick is afraid to sleep, afraid he'll release the mysterious being known as Sleepwalker. So there you go. That gets you caught up after issue one. So let's roll into this synopsis. We rejoin our favorite big green bug-eyed dream warrior as he's trapped in Rick Sheridan's subconscious. Because remember, he can only come out when Rick is asleep, since he lost his Imaginator badge in issue number one and he got trapped in Rick's mind. So Sleepwalker monologues about being a sleepwalker and not being able to be stayed from his goal as he claws his way through Rick's dozing mind, which is surprisingly made up of child's blocks, Pac-Man characters, Tinker Toys, a locomotive, and demonic-looking Seuss-style teddy bears. Sleepy is just about to emerge from Rick's mind, but he's pulled back in as Rick wakes up and is seen sitting with his totally bitch-faced girlfriend Alyssa, 
whose sleepwalker saved last issue. She's had enough of Rick sleeping through dates, and she pulls the huffy girlfriend trick and leaves his ass at the diner that they're at. I'm surprised that her Daisy Duke stayed on in the uh, speed with which she rushed out of the diner. Uh, Rick laments in his traditional Stanley-esque fashion about why all this stuff is happening to him, and he figures he can't tell Alyssa he's got a monster in his head, she'll think he's crazy. Rick passes out on a bench in the dead of night, and Sleepwalker relates to himself as he emerges from Rick's mind that he does not wish any harm on Rick, and he must change his perception of him. Moments later, a couple of toughs emerge and try to rob the unconscious Rick, and uh, old Sleepy scares the bejesus out of the muggers by using his matter-warping eye beams after they try to shiv him. And our boy Sleepwalker, being an out-of-towner as such, has no concept of crime, as we un- as, as we understand it, and uh, he interrogates one of the thieves where he learns about money and theft after retrieving Rick's wallet. The mugger quips that crime happens all the time and there's nothing that can be done about it. Until now, Sleepy says, as he leaves the crook dangling from a swing set that he's morphed about ten stories high. We get a good montage of Sleepy patrolling the night, stopping crime, and every time... Even the victims are scared of him after he saves them. They always try to hurt him, uh, and he notes that to himself. It also appears that the higher Sleepwalker rises from the ground, the weaker he becomes, but it's the only way that he can scan the city effectively. Sleepwalker strains his eyes as he sees a vehicle that looks strange even for this world, he thinks to himself, and oh yeah, it's strange. It's a floating billiard rack, and out come a couple of characters that walked off the stage of Batman 66. Eight Ball and his crew. Hmm. Alright, Eight Ball is in in an all-black bodysuit with white gloves and boots, and his helmet is the Eight Ball itself. It's it's great looking. Uh, There's no eye holes or anything. It's literally, take a human figure and stick an Eight Ball on top. Uh... (laughs) His, uh, his menches are uh, the 11, 9, and 6 balls, but they don't get complete face-covering helmets like 8-Ball does. They're not cool enough. Their paraphernalia is all billiard-themed. 8-Ball has a cue, more on that later, and the henchies carry exploding billiard balls all of their own number. 8-Ball uses his cue on a car and drives it through a bank, making a joke about it being a bank shot. Ha ha ha. Uh, <clears throat> letting the baddies in when uh, Sloop, uh, Sleepy swoops in to stop them. We get a few pages of hero banter as they tussle until 8-Ball gets sleepy on the ground and relates his origin of being a military contractor on propulsion systems with a gambling problem. And he gets fired because he may have been selling propulsion secrets to finance his gambling debts. So he does what any self-respecting comic book villain would do, uh, you know, when you're a brilliant but fired scientist. He uses his knowledge of propulsion to create a killer pool cue and sets about on a life of crime. <laughs> He uses his cue to uh, shoot a hydrant cap up in the air, and it uh, brings down a chunk of building on Sleepwalker, and the crew resumes robbing the bank. Sleepwalker, now back on uh, good old terra firma, gets his strength back, and rises from the rubble-looking mighty pissed. More fun action-y panels as the cops show up, and they wait to see how the battle plays out after Sleepwalker saves them by morphing some of the pavement on the ground to protect them from the uh, spherical scoundrels. As the balling crew are about to flee, Sleepy has them in his grasp, and the cops are psyched. They've been chasing eight ball for a while. And, uh, you know, another cop on the other side of town wakes Rick up, and uh, the 'er ne'er-do-wells escape as Sleepwalker fades into nothingness. And the cops instantly jump to the conclusion that Sleepy was an accomplice to eight ball. 
you know, this is so 60s Marvel. I love it. With, with Sleepwalker back in the ether of Rick's mind, uh, the cops find Rick's wallet on the, on the ground. And so now we cut back to Rick at the police station reporting his stolen wallet and mugging. When the cops that Sleepwalker saved come in and notice Rick and return his wallet after telling him how evil the big scary green guy is. Dejected, Rick walks off into the lonely night, feeling that there's nothing he can do. There's a monster in his mind. It's like that, and that's the way it is. So we end with a nice bumper for the next issue, which says, as I flip the page, Next, the X-Men, the Avengers, X-Factor, the Fantastic Four, and we still have room left over for Sleepwalker's Origin. You don't get that in 32-page comics nowadays. I have killed the show. <laughs> no, not at all. I like this book. It's it's so it's just fun, man. This was before it was really the nineties. Yeah. yeah, it's it's totally a throwback to sixties Marvel in almost every way. Yeah, just I mean, it's it's sixties Marvel, just slightly more edgy. Not much, just a little bit. I, it, if, how if only in the design of the costume and everything. Um. Uh, yeah, it, it, and it's funny because Sleepwalker in the first, I can't remember how many issues, but it's its while Blevins is drawing it, Sleepwalker is tall and spindly, and he's not, you know, all ripped. By the time he leaves the book and they get another guy on, it's straight up 90s. I mean, he looks like Schwarzenegger <laughs> on steroids, and it's just, it loses a little bit. Because he's Sleepwalker. He does, <laughs> I'm the Sleepwalker, I'll put you to sleep. Um it's just yeah. It, it I mean it does change the the book uh, quite a bit, but early on in this book, it's uh, it's zany zany bad guys like that. I mean, and I think that's why I liked it so much as a kid. I mean, I must have been eleven or twelve when this hit, and it, reading that it was just it was just fun comics to me as a kid because it really wasn't like anything else out at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. The the artwork to me almost looks a little bit like what I would call 90s house style, but I don't mean that as necessarily a bad thing. It's it's not the most stylized stuff that was coming out of Marvel at the time. Um, Sleepwalker himself is is pretty stylized, but uh, I mean, and I, I like Blevins art through this, and I, I, and I like him on the book. He, you know, he pretty much designed the character along with Bob Budiansky. And... Uh, it's just his his human people faces are not great. There's some decent shadowing in, in some effects on it, but not the best faces, I don't think. Um, in fact, they're kind of quite ugly. Like, there's there'll be later drawings of Alyssa where she looks smoking hot. She does not look smoking hot in this issue. Too. It's uh, all bitchy here. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. And I mean, that's the thing. Like her total bitch face is like it's not well rendered <laughs> it's you know you know, sometimes you see a girl and she's got total bitch face you know but you're like man she's still cute she's she's not cute in this i'm so misogynistic. what's what's up in the in the uh what is it page five when when she's walking out of the diner it's like she's hunching over so that she could fit in the panel uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. She's she's like ducking under the panel border from above. She smacked her head on it. But, but like what I was saying about the art, though, like look at if you look at the art on that page, it's very uh, like thin lined, not a lot of shadows, uh, and a little bit sparse on the backgrounds. Not 
horribly, yeah. but a little bit. Which is that's that's what I look at and think '90s house style. But then if you just turn the page to the next page, or like when, where, when Sleepwalker yeah. is fighting, now all of a sudden the line work looks much thicker and the work looks much more shadowy, and it it, it seems to be much more moody than what it was on that page. And it, it's a little bit less of that '90s house style and and more almost to me almost reminiscent of like a, a '60s EC type art. Yeah, and I don't know if that was done intentionally because I, I mean, think whenever... intentionally to make it look like nighttime. Yeah, I think that's dark. the idea. I think, but but especially the way Sleepwalker himself is drawn, the uh, you know whatever those are, his leggings and stuff. Like, uh, it seems like there's a lot of detail work that goes into it. I think that's where pretty much all the detail is on this is is on Sleepwalker. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense to have your title character be the best rounded one. Um, because by the time you get to the bad guys, there's no detail on those guys. They're in unitards. And, mean, and the positioning that they're in in the shots, particularly on 8-Ball, it's very exaggerated. And, and like if it was live action, you know, he would be overly emoting. Uh, but it makes for, for a fun read. It's, it's almost like comical to read it. And it keeps it as a lighthearted thing. Uh, overall, I'd say, like I said, I just think this is a fun book. I agree with you. I, 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 I like the fact that you know you wanted to do this as possibly a podcast, and you know you 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 may never get around to it, but if you don't, we're going to give you the forum to do some episodes here and there on our yeah. show. I might be the way to do it because <laughs> uh, I mean I definitely do want to cover it because it's it's just as a as an artifact of a progression of you know. 90s sensibilities as you go through i mean it only lasted three years so it's like it died when it died when the 90s were in the 90s so right. it's it's just interesting in, in tracing what happens in a book um when you don't have complete control i guess so yeah what'd you think of it bill i it's different i'm i like how the uh actually looking at rick at the end of the book is making me sleepy. He looks so tired. <laughs> I I feel so fu- so so sorry for him. To imagine that you you know you're afraid to go to sleep. I, yeah. I'm afraid to go to sleep if the cop had the face like that in the, on that last page. <laughs> Ugly. Oh yeah. Ugh. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's an angry face. Yeah, Rick. Uh, the first couple of issues before stuff gets sorted out. Yeah, they they the way they draw him, man, he looks beat. Yeah, because there's a definite difference between the day and the nighttime with the art. Because like it, it, from the diner to the next page at night is where you get a lot of shadows and there's a lot of thick lines on on everything. Um, and like you said, all the detail is on Sleepwalker. I mean, then the leggings must have took a while to draw. Yeah, I tried drawing him as a kid, and it was like, oh my god, <laughs> tough. It's tough, and it's it's funny because he's got no insignia. It's really just he. It's just the the you know the cloth that you got to render and make it look uh, nifty. He reminds me of a, he he reminds me of a, a Spider-Man character. I can't think of it. Hobgoblin? Um, no, no, not the coloring and and like the the face. Not Swarm, but there was another one. Oh. Swarm, I think, was from Schwarma? that wasn't actually. Shawarma, Shawarma man, yeah. <laughs> no, there was one. Oh, yeah, I'll think of it later, I guess. 
it's yeah i mean it's it's he doesn't I, to me it's just at the time in marvel i mean he doesn't really look like anybody else facially you know was yeah, it no you know, i mean I, I mean just like like the like the cloak and the leggings there was a character that had something to do with um things he would touch or um uh, not deathstalker but but something oh, carry like, on yes that's who i'm thinking of yeah Oh right, right, right. Well, Carrion had the hood like that. Uh, he was much, much more uh, gaunt in his body. Okay, uh, all right. And 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 I don't think there was a lot of uh, costuming mm. on his body beyond the cloak. No, it's pretty much a loincloth. <laughs> That's about it. I'm That's looking right. at him right That's now. Right. I see. I see what you're saying, though. Yeah, I definitely can see that. I'm actually surprised I didn't. Ever realized that? Yeah, he was also a clone of uh, Doctor Warren. Oh, that's right. He was a clone gone bad. Oh, or, 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 and then they, there was there were different stories. At one point, he was a clone of Doctor Warren, but at another point, he was Warren's assistant. assistant. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. I'd like to have a girlfriend that looked the. Uh, well, I mean, except for the bitch face with the Daisy Dukes, <laughs> the Daisy Dukes, and the big old coat with the. What kind of shoes? Sh- yeah. She's got the little flat shoes on. Yeah. She's got the smiley button. Yeah. She's got that big, big, crazy head of hair. So hey, it was 91. Yeah, that's she's got that. She's got that F me hair. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I spoke too much. Maybe it's JBF hair. The, uh, the, what you call it, the sidekicks, eight ball sidekicks are definitely, like you said, right out of Batman 66. I love them. They're so goofy looking. So awesome. Literally. Yeah. It's like, I want to join the gang, but I don't want to wear a pool ball outfit. Nope. Sorry. You can't come. (laughs) Get a bald guy to be cue ball. I just, I, I, you know, any villain that is going to go to the, you know, and they're going to have their gimmick and they're just going to embrace it. I, I, you got to respect. You got to respect. And interesting and interestingly enough, what happens on the cover actually happens in the book. Oh yeah, yeah. With uh, eight ball driving a uh, phone booth up and into the ribs, chest, and groin and grundle of Sleepwalker. So what's with yeah. the proximity to the ground thing? I you know I think they drop it after a while. I think it was just a way to sort of give him some kryptonite because he's oh, insanely okay. he's insanely powerful like. It's not even funny. Um, so obviously the the villains that he tackles later on get uh, a little more interesting and slightly more perverse. Um, he ends up tangling with uh, Nightmare, uh, you know, Doctor Strange villain, um, mm. and then they create like you know his version of Venom and some other stuff. But uh, yeah, he's way too powerful. <laughs> I mean, wow. he can he he nothing really hurts him, and he can warp reality. It's like Okay, there you go. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do when the guy wraps the pavement you're standing on around you? So Nothing. is is eight balls hideout look like a like a a, a pool table or something? Or? Um, I <laughs> I honestly don't remember. It's been about twenty years since I've read through these the last time. Um, head head for the hover rack. <laughs> the hover. <laughs> That's the name of the vehicle. <laughs> I know it's awesome. It's so cheesy, and it's he, so he, he does all the he. He does all the uh, all the pool puns, you know, yep. scratch. Yep. 
bank shot. <laughs> it's like it's so it's so obvious, but it's so good. <laughs> How do you rank this one? Uh, me personally, this is a nostalgic favorite. Is it the greatest thing ever written? No, it's pretty much a one-off issue until Eight Ball does eventually come back. Um, artwork, uh, since I can't draw, I always feel bad giving artwork ratings because I really can't draw. Um, it tells the story. There's, you know, you can follow it. Sleepwalker looks great every panel that he's on. I love the the, the design of the bad guys and the action flow as well. But overall, I, I got to give the uh, the ad. What do we do? A A through E, or we do a number? It's, here? it's uh, like a school grade, A, a to F. Uh, I will give it a solid B. Solid B. It's uh, more than passable, but not exceptional. And um, for the yeah, and then story overall, also a solid B. It's not really the best Sleepwalker stories yet. But uh, for a second issue. When you get to that tagline at the end about all the other characters that are going to show up and the origin, yeah, you want to read it. How about the cover? Uh, I like the cover. I will give the uh, I give the cover itself a nine, just because you know it's uh, it actually happens in the book and uh, it's fun. Little sparse in the background, like everything else, but it certainly does pop when you have uh, purple and blue and black against yellow. So your ratings are a B, a B, and a nine. A B, a B, and a nine. B, B, how do nine. we average those? <laughs> hey, man. I was going to say, why, why, why don't you give it a, an eight? Fine. Oh, Fine. Eight I, will yield, I will yield to the rules of the program. Overall, it gets oh, no. a B. Okay. okay. You want to go next, Bill? Yeah. Uh, the cover, I'll give it an eight. Um, I'll give the story uh, a <laughs> two uh, stars, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll give five strips of latinum for the um, <laughs> uh, gold press latinum, platinum press latinum. Ooh. Uh, no, the cover. I know Paul's not fond of the minimalist covers, but. But this really isn't. I guess. I guess just the backgrounds are minimalist, but there's a lot of like broken glass, and it's a nice touch with the change coming out of the phone booth. And yeah, you know, we really. I don't even know if we if they even. I, I don't even see phone booths anymore. You know, it's no, like really a. It's like a dying thing. Nowadays, you know, so it's it's got a lot of nostalgia just just right there. So, I'm gonna give this cover a B, and this and the art. Um, I really like. The dream sequence stuff looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's very detailed, very very creepy looking. Especially those the hell are those Dr. Seuss bears, man. They're scary. Yeah, man. Yep. They're scaring me. And um, it, you know, it breaks down a little bit. The daytime stuff is kind of weak. Um, the nighttime stuff is a little bit better. It sets the mood more. Uh, I I think I'm also gonna give the art. I'm gonna give it probably like a. Well, that dream stuff brings it up, so I think I'm gonna give it a B. The story, you gotta love the villains and the campy factor to it. Even you know, for it being in the '90s, you know, it kind of captures some of that old Stan Lee storytelling. So I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the story a B as well. Okay, well. So I gotta bring down the room again. So that that's what you're telling me. That's well, your job. No, it's not Jaws. So 
lay it on. It us. is not yours, but it is also not uh, the naked now. So, <laughs> starting with the cover, Alamarine. Oh, sorry. Starting with the cover, uh, I like the way Sleepwalker looks on the cover. I don't like the way Eight Ball looks on the cover. He does look a little dainty, doesn't he? He looks dainty. His head almost looks oblong instead of round. It's the foreshortening, uh, man. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It, just the angles. I, 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 I applaud his Blevins trying to do something different with the angles and show it at an interesting, eye-catching angle. But I think it was kind of, to some extent, a failed attempt. Uh, although I don't think it's bad. So I'm going to say it's a C on the cover. It's, you know, it's it's... Fine, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not great. Uh, the interior art is extremely inconsistent. I love the way Sleepwalker is drawn throughout, but everything else kind of goes up and down. He, he's the only thing that's consistently good throughout the book. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got to drop it because of that, and I'm going to go with a C on that as well. Uh, there's the, the rendering of Sleepwalker, and like Bill said, the dream sequence, I think that's what keeps it at the C level, because otherwise I might have dropped it to a D based on everybody else other than Sleepwalker. <clears throat> but story-wise, I'm with you. I think this is good, just good fun. Uh, there's nothing about it that I saw as being particularly bad, annoying, hard to understand, or anything like that. I do like the fact that they kind of have a mystery, that he doesn't really know what's going on in his life. And, and what's happening, and I, I think it's really kind of cool. Uh, so I'm going to say B-plus on the story. And overall rank it to average out at a B-minus. Or right, C-plus. Right. I guess C-plus. Fair enough. But I, I it, it does, you know, the two books you've covered do make me want to read more of this, and that's definitely a plus. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's worth it. I mean, they're not, they're not hot reads. <laughs> Yeah, and in yeah. a couple of months when you come back on again to do Sleepwalker number three, then uh, we'll keep moving. There you go. Maybe by episode 500, we'll have the whole uh, series in. It could All be. right. All right. I guess I'm going to stay alive for a couple uh, couple of years. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. Me staying alive? Or? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, if Bill can do it, I can do it. <laughs> Bill's my role model. <laughs> Every day he goes without going wow. into a diabetic coma. It just gives me gives me hope. Bill just rolls. All right, so Wait I guess it's time to move on to, to our DC. <laughs> and I picked my greatest adventure number eighty from June of nineteen sixty three. This is the first appearance ever of the Doom Patrol, and the cover shows uh, General Immortus kind of doing something with a ray gun to negative man, keeping him from returning to his body, while uh, Robot Man and uh, Elastigirl are just kind of looking on helplessly. And uh, it says, Reborn out of disaster, four survivors rose again to form a legion of the world's strangest heroes. The cover is drawn by Bruno Premiani. The story is written by Arnold Drake and Bob Haney. Uh, and all of the uh, penciling and inking is by Premiani, and it's edited by Murray Boltanoff. Now, uh, today I'm stealing my synopsis from the DC Comics database. Uh, 
And here we go. An aging wheelchair-bound scientist known only as the Chief gathers together three super-powered outcasts, Robot Man, Elastigirl, and Negative Man. As the heroes greet one another, they learn of the personal circumstances that brought them all together. Robot Man was once Cliff Steele, an international sportsman and daredevil whose body was burned to a cinder after a deadly race car crash. Good fun. The chief scientific genius transferred Steele's brain into a new robot body. Larry Trainer was once a civilian test pilot until the fateful day when he flew an experimental suborbital aircraft into a stratospheric belt of radiation. Now he exists as a living mummy, forced to wear special bandages to contain the radiation that has disfigured his body. As a side effect of the incident, Larry can now summon a dark energy being from his body, which he calls the Negative Man. Rita Farr was a Hollywood starlet and Olympic-level swimmer. During filming of one of her movies, Rita was exposed to strange vapors that granted her the ability to alter her size at will. Her career in ruins due to her mutation, she now fights alongside the Doom Patrol as Elastigirl. The Chief discovers a strange alien spacecraft that has crash-landed on Earth. He believes that mankind's testing of atomic weapons is what attracted the alien's attention and the unidentified ship was designed to monitor the planet's technological advancements. The Chief sends the Doom Patrol to recover a secret weapon reputedly located inside the drone ship. Another individual learns of this ship's existence and embarks upon a plan to recover the weapon. This is Immortal Mastermind General Immortus, an old foe of the Chief's. Immortus has spy cameras set up in the Doom Patrol's headquarters and is privy to their many secrets. Immortus attempts to retrieve the weapon and encounters the Doom Patrol. During the ensuing struggle, the alien drone ship explodes and Immortus seemingly dies in the explosion. Interesting that the very first appearance of Immortus is thought to be his last. You give a guy a name like Immortus, you expect him to last a little longer than one appearance. And eventually he did, but <laughs> I just find it interesting that, that they made it look like he died at the end of the first issue. Uh, I like the Doom Patrol. They are, I think, the definition of campy fun, but under a guise of trying to be serious and dark. You have all these characters who are outcasts, and you know uh, they they can't live in society because you know, she gets big. I guess that's you know good enough Ooh. to keep her away from society. Uh, yeah, her her reason to be like shunned from society just seems kind of dopey, but. <laughs> I, I don't oh, know. It, she it was just... a woman in the '60s. I can kind of buy the, you know, how that came about. You know, oh my God, I'm different. Yeah, X-Men. <laughs> well, this this almost seemed like the the dark twin of the X-Men. Yeah, and that's that's, that's kind of what always. Before. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, that's what I've heard it compared to before. That's what always I always found that kind of interesting about it, and uh, I, you know, I've only read. I don't know. I've read a handful of issues. It always seemed like every time I picked it up, I got a reprint of the same issue uh, for a while. So I, I haven't read a lot of them, and I have the showcase uh, down in my basement. I really need to, to sit down and read it one day, uh, just because I, I think these are you know fun books, and it's an attempt to make the. I, I think it's an attempt to kind of have the flawed heroes, you know, who have their, uh, you know, that that are living in self pity, like the Marvel way. And uh, it, it's just, like I said, I think it would be fun to just read it through. 
I, I love the way they did the uh, Doom Patrol when they were on the Teen Titans. I thought oh, yeah. that was awesome. Yes. And it, I thought it was awesome in the comic book, and then I thought it was awesome when they uh, adapted it for TV. Yeah, that was a that was a great great version of them. But overall, I I like this. I like it a lot. Uh, the cover is typical early '60s, late '50s, and you know, just I I think it would have. Uh, I think if I was very young, I probably wouldn't have gone for this. But if I was a little older, like a young teen, I think I'd be. I I think I would have gone for this at that age. I'm going for it now. I'm uh, yeah. I've not. It's it's so Marvel in style. It's funny. Like if you actually look at when X Men stats, what like a year or two later, however long it is, that book feels more like a DC book than this one does. Yeah, this doesn't feel like a typical DC book to me at well, all. The X Men started in '63 as well, and I'm not sure which one predates the other. I'd have to look at that. Mm. Um, I, think, I think this might have beat it, but uh, or maybe it's the same time. It's just, I mean, the art style alone, I mean, is so not what you expect from 60s DC books. So does, I mean, does General Mortis always look like Gabby Hayes? <laughs> <laughs> he always looks very old. <laughs> Other than that, I, I think they're the, he, he was drawn somewhat differently at different times. Because I think I remember seeing uh, my exposure to Doom Patrol, I think, is going to come later with uh, the same time with when I was getting into the new Teen Titans with the, with the Perez books. And with because Garfield, because uh, Changeling had come f- from the Doom Patrol. Yeah. That's, and I the General Mortis that's there, I think, is looks a little bit more imposing than here uh, just Somewhere. just for uh to to go back to what we were saying this book came out in june of 63 and x-men number one is cover dated september of 63 oh, so mm. probably about the same time then yeah f- effectively so it's, it's kind of like the man thing swamp thing controversy or the mm. Th- thanos dark side <laughs> but uh, apparently you know e- even with even with the X-Men's initial run having been canceled after 60-something issues and uh, you know not, not revived for a while afterwards, I think even that initial run was more successful than this one commercially. Hmm. Oh, geez. Both the leaders are in wheelchairs. How could I miss that? For crying out loud. <laughs> oh, you, 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 were unaware, you were unaware? I was too enthralled in the story, man. And they both live in a mansion, although this one's wedged between two, two, two buildings. Yeah, I'd rather be in Westchester. Like in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. What what really struck me is, like, you know, Robot Man nowadays, whenever he gets drawn, he's, re- like, he's huge. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he looks like a normal-sized human being here. I know, he li- literally looks like a robot man. Which is, uh... Metal hands, they are my hands! I'm a robot man except for my human brain that was transplanted. <laughs> Why is he all of a sudden Austrian? I, I don't know. It's, it's because he's a robot. I don't. Know. I have this problem when I scratch my ass. Everything is sparking. My <laughs> robot ass. See, pro- he he was probably uh, like you know I don't know. He was from New York before that, and then uh, 
now I'm just a robot. I'm an automaton. <laughs> I'm just all I can think of is all I can think of is young Frankenstein right now. You'd have to have an enormous von Stucker. <laughs> <laughs> that goes without saying. <laughs> Did they have a danger room in here? Not they've, that I'm aware of. Real yeah, life but, was their danger. Yeah, room. but it, if you look on page eight, they've got the map room, they've got the weapons and demolitions room. <laughs> they've got a room for everything else. They just take their dangers and put them in the individual rooms. <laughs> this is the room of slightly overheatedness. This is the room of a little too cold. Mm. This is the chief sexual fantasy. Wait, never mind. Whoa, hey now. That's where my collection of Richard Gere memorabilia is. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Richard. You've done some good movies. I shouldn't be saying those things about you. Okay. <sighs> so. No, it's a it's a good book. I I, I love the the art style. I loved everything about it. I I I really do prefer. I think reading comics that are just straight ahead like this. You know, you read it, you enjoy it. You go on to the next issue. Not everything needs to be uh, twelve issues to tell yeah. the story. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. I, I I do like the occasional one and done. I mean, I I I like variation. I don't want them all to be one and done, but I also don't want every story to have to have thirty other issues that you have to read, or you're not going to get the whole story. Yeah. So I I I enjoyed the story. I think it's kind of fun. It's a little silly with some of the. Uh, explanations that go on and some of the oh yeah just some of the things that are happening but you know you gotta remember it's 1963 it's not uh you know it's it's not when they tried to make things more realistic they would just explain that things happened because um the science science you know that that was it so uh it, it was just i thought it was fun and i think the artwork is very moody for the day mm-hmm uh, it, it's you know the individual renderings are typical for that time, but I think the storytelling is more moody. I think it's got kind of a quick pace to it. It, it reads really quickly, even though there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's uh, so. also broken up by the you know the humor strips in there too, which is you know it, <laughs> yeah. I kind of like I kind of like that. I yeah. want to read more. I want to read more Peter Pup Tent. Why not? <laughs> And I want more PSAs about staying in school. Stay in school, yeah. Which is got that that thing has got some absolutely gorgeously rendered panels. I mean, look at that thing. That thing is beautiful looking in black and white art. It's like it's it's stylized, but my god, that's that's good looking art. Maybe so it really affected it, it affected me. Does he? <laughs> So I'm going, I, I, I re-enrolled in school, school as soon as I read it. <laughs> I never dropped out. Because, it, I mean, it says here, apply here for good jobs, high school and college graduates only. Well, I, I dropped out uh, my, when I graduated 25 years ago. Nine-year-old. I, I, <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. So does General Mortis collect Social Security? <laughs> he's the only one collecting social security he's why he's why the fund is, ru is running out i know <laughs> i keep paying this money to general immortus i'm never going to see any of it when i get to be his age i'm uh, i'm looking at this book right now and i'm thinking cover is a b 
again, I think it appeals to an older reader. I don't think I don't think it's necessarily gonna 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 go for your typical eight year old. But I'm thinking no. 14, 15, 16, you're gonna be loving this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, the interior artwork I think is very moody. It is definitely of the day, but yeah, it's I, definitely of a different era. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's really cool. I think the storytelling is really good. I think the pacing is good. Uh, I'm going to say B plus on the interior art. And the story, again, is just a lot of fun. Uh, a little silly, but a lot of fun. And I'm going to say B plus on that as well. So I'm going to go with B minus overall on the book. Um, yeah, I, uh, I like the cover because it screams science fiction instead of superhero, which is uh, always a nice change. Um, and if, you know, seeing a, uh, brown metal guy, a tiny woman in a short skirt, a shadow and a guy wrapped in mummy bandages doesn't make you want to pick up the book. I don't know. I think there's something <laughs> wrong with you. Um, the ad inside, it's just, it's so different from other DC stuff. It's like you get, you've got panels that look like they're coming out of like a, a Tarzan comic and the jungle scenes and, you know, just straight yeah, up. A little bit of Joe Kubert. Yeah, it's you know it's mm. it's not really as scratchy though it seems as, as his stuff. It's you know. They, Did you see General Mortis's face? Yeah, but he's old. He's old. <laughs> he's old with a scratchy face. He's old with a scratchy face. He had some some shaving incidents, which is why the chief you know has a lush beard because he doesn't <laughs> you know, doesn't shave. I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, the renderings on the characters are just really really nice. Um, I yeah, I mean overall, I'd I'd have to give it a B. I I am general gen, genuinely interested in reading more uh, Silver Age Doom Patrol now. Mm-hmm. I mean, does 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 anybody does Monsieur Mala show up in in this run? Because I mean, I can't get enough time. I believe he does. Ooh. All right, all right, I'm ready. As well as the brain. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the kind of pulpy sci-fi I love. I think I think they're all, they're all, you'll see them all if you read through it. I, I like I said I have the showcase and I have to sit down with it one day and just page through it. I think I need to do the same thing. I don't have the showcase, but uh, I could probably track it down. I believe there are two volumes actually. All right, all right. I only have one, so I'll have to track down the second. Unless anybody wants to send it to me, which would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he was going to go uh, skiing in his robot form with a little Why hat. Why not? You know, he wouldn't have to worry about getting Sonny Bono'd, so. <laughs> Watch out for that tree. Smash right through the tree. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the cover, uh, you know, this is this is pretty, uh, I, I got to give the cover, um, I, I'm, I'm going to give the cover like a B plus. It's got, I like that it's got all the little controls in the background. You know, there's there's like a little extra detail in here. Mm-hmm. Whereas the last one was a little, it had some details coming out of the phone booth. This has got a lot of the background is 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 filled in, you know, negative man. You could tell there's something. Well, I guess we can tell there's something wrong because now we're familiar with negative man. You know, the fact that he's down on the floor, barely uh, able to hold himself from collapsing. Right, but I mean, might his, give you a hint there's something wrong. Well, no, I mean his form, his form being held by the ray. You could that's like breaking it up instead of it's normally a little bit more solid. Than, than it is here um so i'm saying b plus on that but uh you know the not wanted high school dropout ad that gets an a yeah <laughs> yep which um 
I still can't get over how the mansion looks exactly like from a Warner Brothers cartoon where you have a building wedged between two <laughs> skyscrapers. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's just no alleys. There's nothing. It's just bam, bam, building right there. Um, but overall, through through the book for for this time frame, you know, this is the '60s. This is this is pretty detailed stuff. It's 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 nice. Uh, I'm gonna probably go a little higher b plus a minus on the art um and the, and the story you know I, i'm i'm again gonna have to give give it a b as well i mean it's it's very well it, it it goes well um it's a good introduction for the characters explains everything you know all their origins and it does it all in one book <laughs> yeah. you, you know like one chapter but pretty much Tells the mm-hmm. origins of, of everybody within twelve pages, you know, and then you can you still have time to get to your villain, f- get his story, and do a bunch of uh, 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 other stuff as well. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to give that a B plus as well. So it's it's really almost like a a B plus skirting the A minus range. Just uh, for what it's worth, I looked up uh, the uh, not wanted high school dropouts. The art is by Shelfin Moldoff. Shelly Moldoff? Yeah. Okay. That's that. Uh, what the hell? Oh, God, that's so familiar. Apparently, he hell? was a Batman artist. Yes. He created uh, created Batmite. Yeah. I like Batmite. Who doesn't? <laughs> actually, a lot a lot, actually, a lot of people don't, but I, I like him as well. I always found him to be amusing. Yeah. Much more yeah. so than Mr. Mixelplick. Mixia Spitlick. Yeah, that guy. I, I've Aww. never found him... I always found Batmite to be more amusing than him. Well, I mean, what about the great Gazoo, though? Ooh, dum-dum. Hey, dum-dum. <laughs> I, I, like I always thought I like, he was funny. I like imp characters. I mean, Harvey more... Corman, how wrong could you go? <laughs> that was Harvey Corman? Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. I oh, did yeah. not know the... that. The Great Kazoo, yeah, Gazoo. <laughs> just, just, I mean, in your mind, pick, you know, hear, hear the voice and tell I, you, you know can't what? hear that it's Harvey Corman. You know what? I'll, yep. Now I can. The money, count the money. The money, the money. Fred and Barney, yeah. nothing. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Yes, dumb, dumb. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. His little fade in effect. <laughs> wow, that sound that almost sounds like a hovercraft effect there. That laugh. <laughs> oh jeez. No, it's a it's a it's, it's a propelled uh, propulsion uh, billiard rack. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and back to Sleepwalker. <laughs> yep. All right. I guess we're time to move on to our independent of the day. I'm independent. Did you do a book this week, Bill? Yes, I have a book. Yay. I have a book. And there was much rejoicing. Yay. I can't find my book. Where is it? Oh, for <laughs> crying out loud. There it is. Okay. Man, I had to find it. It was underneath the Mountain Dew. <laughs> That's a lot of Mountain Dew. It's mm. a mountain of Mountain Dew. I had to step away for a moment and go yell at the... Get rid of some Mountain Dew? No, no, no. <laughs> No. 
But my daughters came home, and uh, all, all I could hear, they're out there. Shut up! Shut up, I'm trying to talk comics here. I'm with my friends. I'm doing a show. My friends aren't going to think I'm cool. My, my mom thinks I'm cool. No, she doesn't. I told them that they keep saying that they want to get me a uh, like a recording light on the outside of my room. <laughs> The people driving by your garage will know. The, the mic is hot. Stay away. <laughs> well, sometimes they walk out, and I'll be. Hey, hey! I told you there's never been a car in this room since you own it. Yes. <laughs> you I cannot can... make that I cannot... declaration for before I cannot... you. It. That is correct. There is. Never been a car in this room since I have owned this house. Has the garage door been open since you've owned it? The door to this room has been open the since I've owned it. The garage door. <laughs> that large rolling door has been opened. I have disengaged and unplugged the opener for it. Okay, when was the last time it was opened? Uh, Before I sealed it shut. Uh, it's sealed? Well, I put some of like that expanding foam at the bottom. Okay. And on the sides to kind of keep the airflow from coming in. That's probably yeah, a, uh, probably a code violation. I may have to report. Mean it. It's a code violation. Get what if there's a fire? Then I go out the side door. Jesus, there's not a car in here. I may have to report. I know there's comics, which is why you got to protect it from the elements. That's where, That's why I sealed the door exactly. I mean, it is a code violation, but you know, hey, it's, no, it's not. It's not a code <laughs> violation. Get the f- <laughs> out of here. Oh. Yeah, sure. Now I gotta edit that. <laughs> I think we're allowed one. Keep it it's PG not... thirteen. This is not a movie, you know. Just click, just click the explicit tag on Facebook. Facebook. Nah, on back iTunes. To the bins. Back to the bins does not need to be explicit. And this is me saying this after oh, talking please. about. It's Mister Explicit saying it. Yeah, oh yeah, we could just su- suggest things like gerbils up the wazoo, literally. Gazoo. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's once again dumb, dumb. <laughs> oh jeez. All, right, All right. So before we go book any with further the... off the rails, what book did you bring, Bill? I brought Sojourn Number One. No, nah, we're not doing that. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. You can do Sojourn Number One. Sojourn Sojourner. Sujawan, Sujanan. Sojarn. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Sounds like I have some sort of syndrome. I don't want to insult anybody in particular. Syndrome. I'm doing syndrome number one. <laughs> hey, stop picking on my book. Okay, do do Apollo Sojourn. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what I sh- I forgot to say that for my comic news. I forgot because we put everything on now. Facebook. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it another show. Go when forward. we'll talk about it when Scott's here, so he 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 can comment. <sighs> anyway, uh, you guys remember CrossGen from back in the day? Mm, I've heard of it. You didn't get any CrossGen comics when it came out. Oh, well, they, they were actually started, they were founded here in Tampa, 
Um, right down the street from me. Well, not down the street, literally, but you know what I mean. Um, I have and, no idea what you mean. Well, they had a bunch of different creators uh, like Mark Wade, uh, Ron Mars, and others. Um, and I actually, in one of my local comic shops at the time, was picking up a couple and made made a comment because I like I like the the cross gen books. And I was talking uh, to the guy behind the counter, and the guy that had been in front of me had had just left, and I had made a comment saying, "Yeah, I I like these cross gen books, especially what Mark Wade is doing." And the guy that was behind the counter kind of looked funny, looked at this other guy, looked back at me, and then that guy left. And then he said to me, "He's like, you realize who that was, right?" Like, no. It's like that was Mark Wade. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, really? <laughs> oh, shit!" Like, no, I didn't know that was him at all. So uh, that was my 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 brush with uh, with Mr. Mark Wade, and also uh, the Greg Land who does the art in this book. Also, I've met him in my local at in my local, local porn, porn store. <laughs> He was trying to get some some images to to rip off hey, for his book. I, yeah, that's what hey, was going to hey, be man. my first note. <laughs> I happen to like Greg Land's art and Mr. Say, Land. Yeah, because you like porn. porn. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I I am not. Hey, Mr. Land not, is a I am nice neither, guy. Neither, uh, neither approving nor condemning your porn habits. Even though he is a Green Bay Packers fan, I will not hold that against him. He's a big Packers fan. Uh, but yeah, he Some used kind of to. Packing. He uh, used to come in. We're not talking uh, about Richard Gere anymore. He used to come into Yancey Street quite often, and I had ran into him a few times and had. He went, a few... went to that back session section, <laughs> the one that had the curtain you had to walk by before you go. You know what? I I I, I don't even want to do this book now. <laughs> well, d- do well, it. Cause I want to talk about. I want to talk about it. I want to. Okay. Talk. All right. Let me get to the synopsis. Let me get back to. God damn it, where's my synopsis? There it is. I found it. I found it. It's, it's here. The phone book is here. The phone book is here. Setting up my split screen and go. All right. Now, I'm going to read the opening of the book. Our story so far. Oh, wait. Oh, man, you guys are just messing me all up. We did nothing. <laughs> I, I just don't have it together tonight. It's the first point tonight where I was silent and, you, and you're just complaining. All this pressure. Do you want me to read it? No, hold <laughs> Stunt double. <laughs> okay. Sojourn number one. It came out in August. I, I had a hard time finding information on the books. There wasn't any place I could go like, like Mike's Amazing World for for cross gens and I had to dig uh, to find stuff. So I don't really have the exact date of when it was printed, but I do have the cover date and it was August 1st of 2001. And uh, I'm going to be covering issue number one cover. Uh, like I said, cover date is August. It was two ninety five for the book. And on the cover, we have a um, rather uh, pretty hot looking, uh, as you guys would say, porn chick with a bow and arrow. And behind her, some trolls. Um, it's you know your typical sorted sorcery cover. Now you got Kurt Russell down at the bottom right, and you got although he doesn't. <laughs> you got Odin you got, up in the upper left. Odin upper in the upper left, and some woman in uh, robes in the. No, he's Odin's on the upper right. Yeah, that's right. And then you've, 
Yeah. And then you got a, a dog with a silly grin in the lower right, lower left. Hey, what's wrong with the dog? He's That's Creed. That's Creed. He just looks, he just looks so, like he's saying, hey, I'm on the cover. Hey, I made it. So you got Krieg, and then the uh, the guy that looks like Kurt Russell is Gareth, and then the chicken in the middle was Arwen. Now the little, the rather creepy looking dude in the back with that's bald is, uh, I believe that's Mordath, and the Odin dude, uh, I can't remember his name. I think that's in my synopsis when I get to it. So anyway, but this is this is this is starting to come out like a con like synopsis. I I better get moving. Sojourn. <laughs> Our story so far. Darkness spread across the five lands as the dread warlord Mordath placed almost all of Quinn. Quinn? Yeah. Under his booted heel. Just as all hope was nearly extinguished, a glimmer of light appeared as if stepping from legend itself. A warrior calling himself Aiden, the Odin looking guy, gathered the survivors of Mordath's depredations and forged an army that harried Mordath's troll forces back to his fortress. During the final attack, Aiden slew Mordath, who at the time was uh, had a luxurious head of black hair and a goatee, <clears throat> slew Mordath, piercing him with an arrow, offered sovereignty over the five lands. Aiden declined, preferring to retreat to the solitude from which he'd come. However, before departing, Aiden broke the fatal arrow into five fragments and scattered them to the five lands, Pretty convenient, I guess. Promising to return should the pieces ever be reunited. That was 300 years ago. Now, Mordeth has risen from the grave and once again stands on the brink of conquering all that lies before him. And there was much rejoicing. Yay! So, we move on to the book. A troll-like creature readies to behead a young girl with an axe. But before the deed is done, an arrow protrudes suddenly from his throat. Message for you, sir. The young girl is stunned as a blonde-haired woman wielding a bow has just saved her. The woman's name is Arwen, not to be confused with the chick from Lord of the Rings, which was Arwen. This is Arwen. No, it was Arwen. Is it spelled the same? One letter different. Oh, okay. Hmm, where have I heard that name before? Anyway, Arwen tells the girl named Bria that it isn't safe for her, even with herself and her dog named Krieg, the and smiling dog one. too. <laughs> <laughs> and where have her parents gone? Just then, Bria's father appears, and Bria cries, and he tells... What? 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 Oh, as he tells her father that mommy is gone. He thanks Aaron for saving his daughter and says they must flee the city because it is overrun by Mordat's forces. Arwen, though, runs off in search of her husband and child and leaves the two to die. The end. Okay, well, they probably died anyway. Uh, Racing through the city, she comes upon her home, the X-Mansion. Wait, wait, sorry, wrong company. (laughs) In a Star Wars-esque scene, she finds the bodies of her husband and child killed by the stormtroopers, uh, the trolls. Stricken with grief over their deaths, she is struck from behind by said trolls, and she and Krieg hold their own against them until she is finally able to kill them all in pretty gruesome ways. Arrows to the throat again, daggers in the gullet, little hack, little slash of the face. Finally, exhausted from the battle, she has time to allow, to allow the full toll of the battle to hit her as she screams in anguish over the dead bodies of her family, and her and Krieg die together in the ever-growing flames of the burning X-Mansion house, the end. Oh, wait. How the f*** did she get out? Okay. Oh, wait. Sorry, you got to bleep that again. 
Okay, so later we see her and a dog look overlooking the burning city. Hey, hey man, I didn't write these. I, I, I don't write these. I just synopsize them. Vowing that she is going to kill Mordath. Our last scene is of Lord Mordath himself receiving news from a lackey that the first of the opposition has been crushed and ultimate victory is his. Finally, he says after three centuries, turning to reveal the holy shit, the Red Skull? Oh, no. The five lands are mine. Five Greg lands. <laughs> oh my god, where do we begin with this? Oh my god. You know what? I, what? I, I'm gonna I, say... You guys are gonna pick bef- me... Before I start ripping this to shreds, I'm gonna say, despite my ripping it to shreds, it's not horrible. No, it's not horrible. It's it's standard fantasy fare, which I dig. But it, and the rendering on on some of it is phenomenal. But the rendering that's not phenomenal is slightly pornographic. It's slightly really not phenomenal. It's it, it's like I get wanting to use the photo reference, but Jesus, it's it's sometimes it's so off-putting. It's like the the little girl that gets saved at the beginning. Her face is just really weird looking, and it's not consistent. Yeah, um, that's, that's, that's the biggest problem I think with his photo referencing is the lack of consistency. Like, like even our main character here, the the, the blonde girl, Owen, mm-hmm. her she's not consistent either. And honestly, like the joke about it looking like he was cribbing from some porn stills, I, I'm not gonna lie, man. It's there are there are some panels where it's like, yeah, I can kind of tell what was going on what went from what he cribbed this from. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it sometimes the dog looks out of place too. It's like it's like the dog's in another book. Well, the, the dog doesn't. It, it's almost like they took a dog color form and put it on the page. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. look like he really belongs in the panel. Look at the father when after she rescues the little girl look at the father's face when he's running to embrace the little girl mm-hmm. and then, then on the turn next to page. the next page and look when he looks like gary shandling <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah what the his hell head. is up with that <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately it's closer to the puffy gary shandling we have now oh <sighs> I mean, some of it, like, I agree Shandling. with you, Chris, some of it is awesome. Like, the, the shot of Mordeth on the first page, on the splash page, I think he looks awesome. The the troll guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, that's not more. that's just the troll, that's not Mordeth. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's, that's really nice looking, like, that, that's like, you know, fantasy tabletop game, box art, like, better than that. It's, mm-hmm. it's really good, and, you know, it's got a nice detailed background, and, you know the sense of scale for the the little girl and the and the guy are really good, but it's like looking at the, but then you look in the front at the little girl and it's like you can clearly tell that he had an eight year old girl stand with her hands up and light box it or trace it or something because it's it's too it's it's going for realism but it's just it's not working. I don't know. Yeah, but even yeah, I mean. I still wish I could still draw. Oh yeah, I can't you draw. Know. For... But the, you know I mean, what? That's not the standard we need to judge it. Well, well that's that's, that's not fair. I draw stick figures, so uh, anybody who draws better than a stick figure is an A. <laughs> I didn't say that. Well, that's that's. I, I'm no, just I, try- you know I'm what? Just I think try- that's what you said. 
I'm trying to defend, trying to say that, I mean, there's some of these shots I like, others not so much, which I think that's what you said it said at one point, too. Yeah, I would agree with that. But, but, and, and, you know, I mean, there was a time where I fancied myself as an artist and I, I can draw some things, but I will openly admit I am not good enough to be a professional artist. So if I have to say everybody's good because they're better than me, that's, I don't think that's fair. I, I'm still able to look at art and judge, judge it on its own, and, and, and it doesn't matter if I can do as well. And you know what? If he's tracing it, maybe I can do as well because I know how to trace. I know how to trace when I was five. Because I'm looking at the panels where like, it looks like he didn't use you know, a still frame or anything where it's slightly more stylized and it looks a lot better. Like this on one page, I can't remember which one it is. It's she's like running up the stairs. It's, and it's a small panel, but it's style. Like it looks like what you would expect in a comic. It's a little bit overdone. So, I mean, I think it looks better in the book. You mean like the sequence where she comes upon the, upon the house burning and then she's going up up the stairs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that to me looks Mm -hmm. like it belongs in this book. But then you get to, you know, another panel where it's like, why is there this insane amount of detail on her hand directly in the camera? And, you know, it looks like she's getting the Richard Gere treatment herself there. And it, it looks really bad. I don't know. There's also, even on, even like on the, the panel you pointed to, which I agree to you, that, that to me looks like a standard good comic panel as far as how she is drawn. But the flames in the photo look very, very computer generated to me. So they don't seem to match when you finally have a, a shot that looks like it's actually hand drawn. Yeah. There's, there's a disconnect somewhere. So I mean, and this isn't terrible. Again, I, I, I don't. I really don't want to say like, oh, this is Apollo Smile. It, it's not. This is this is you know, it's not a horrible book. I think you hit it on the nose. It's kind of standard fantasy fare, uh, and and some of the artwork is really nice. Some of it I look at it and I say, wow, yeah. that that's impressive. The uh, you know the Red Skull dude at the last page. I mean, he looks scary. Well, that's actually yeah. more death. Yeah, well, whatever his name is. But I'm just saying, you know, I'm just talking about the artwork in general on that. I, I, I like that. Some of, some of the trolls look really cool. Yeah, the trolls uh, look nice. The, the shot of, of the village in flames, you know, it's got a real cool scope to it. I like it. So, I mean, there, there are pictures in here that I like. But one of Greg Land's problems, other than inconsistency, which we've already pointed to, is... A lot of times it's just a series of pretty pictures and it's not really a story. I, on a, as, a, as a first issue, though, I, I, I would let something like that slide. I mean, it is just it's introducing the, the whole world. So, I mean, as a first issue, aside from my gripes about the art, it's perfectly serviceable. Um, it's There's not enough there for me to want to keep going with it. But if that's your bread and butter, you know, that's it's going to you know hook you in. With the uh, you know the I need to kill this guy, and if that gets you going, then you know I guess it did its job. Yeah, I mean it. It is kind of you know because now this is this is two thousand one, so we're really getting into the the decompressed storytelling, and you know for like the book that we just looked at, to where we had the origin story of what three or four characters within twelve pages, and this this whole book is. Probably not isn't even all of the origin of just the introduction to our main character. 
Yeah, it, it, it feels like kind of the prologue to a book, like we had with. Uh, was that the with Ultimate Captain book? America? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, this it has a little bit of like that it, feel to it. This actually feels like it has a little more than that book. Maybe a little, but <laughs> yeah, not enough. And and that's one of the problems. And I think I think Chris, you just hit on it. Is none of the characters, and particularly what's name Arwen, mm-hmm. uh, they're not so compelling that I feel like oh, I have to read more of this. The, you, yeah, you don't you don't get enough of her background or personality to feel like she's somebody whose story you want to follow. Yeah, I mean that that text piece at the beginning, you can reveal all that stuff in later issues. You know, I, I if you need to have that kind of a of a caption box on your first issue before anything's even happened, I don't know. I think there's a there's a problem with how you're going to fine tune your narrative at that point. I understand wanting to have the world set up in the back of your mind, but that's stuff that you can dangle out because mm-hmm. nothing about more death doesn't even come in until the end. Really. It's like you could have waited the whole thing and then revealed that he's back at the end of it. You know, I think that works better, but that's just me. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I go with that too. The, the, the need to open up with a narrative box like that almost strikes me as being a little bit lazy in writing it. That you don't you don't want to weave a story, so it's here. Here's where you got to be now. Join us. Yeah, and if it was that important, why didn't you make the first half of the book that story? Oh, that's what I forgot. Well, actually, Ron Mars was the writer on this. I, I forgot to bring that up earlier. Mm-hmm. I just totally blew it. <laughs> yeah, you really did. This this whole story is ruined now. <sighs> I mean. I, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm overly emphasizing the negatives. I am. This is not yeah, a Yeah, me too. Me too. Because it's fun to pick on Bill. Um, well, Bill yeah, <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> but it's... Uh, I you guys mean, never liked I, my books. <laughs> if, I was, if I was younger and this was just coming out and there was a you know big breast-assisted woman with a bow and arrow shooting stuff and, you know, blood and death and, you know... Yeah, I'd I'd probably be picking it up. Who am I kidding? If, uh, if I were younger and, and I were at the newsstand and I saw you know pick this up with the big breasted woman, I'd put it down and get Playboy and go home. Uh, yeah, but I like a little violence with my sex. Who am I? Who am I kidding? Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it was all right. I didn't mind reading it. It's just uh, I, I I just didn't personally see enough where I'd be like, you know what, this is a fantasy world that I want to get invested in. Uh, it's you know, well, I, but that's me. I guess one thing that I see you guys guys are saying. I mean, like I I've noticed with a lot of Greg Land's art is that a lot of the characters do look alike because they might be photo reference them, whatever. I mean, because often like you see the same faces on women, they just change that that the hairstyles just seem to be different or a different cover, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you could also say that. John Burns people or women all look the same too, but he has a style. Whereas I think, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to. I, I'm just saying that it seems like at this point in Greg Land's, like I, have, I haven't looked at any of his stuff recently. It's like I don't know if he's really developed his own style yet at this point, early in his career. Whereas, if, if you change Arwen's outfit in this, it, and any one of them, it could be Greg Land's version of Sue Storm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that he did in the Ultimates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, that, too, was early 2000s, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah, I'd say. 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe like a year or two after this, I'm thinking. So, so you want to rate it? For the cover, the cover was actually a different artist. No, it's it's land. Well, yeah, well, I mean, but I think he had... Uh, he had the anchor and colorist that he used inside the book. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, man, I'm just I'm losing it tonight. I, I, I need some more Mountain Dew. <laughs> I'm cutting back. This mountain so. was too cold. <laughs> I'm cutting back. That that's what's going. That's what's going wrong with me. I, I can't focus because I haven't had enough Mountain Dew. Oh jeez. <laughs> I I like the cover actually. <laughs> I think that's yeah. for a fantasy book. That's the kind of cover that you want. And we've got Mordath looming in the background. I'm going to give the cover a B plus. The interior art. There's a couple shots I really like. Like the first introduction to Arwen is pretty cool, pretty hot looking. But yeah, it's not consistent in other shots. And I think like that one, that little girl, even she's like, she's like downright creepy when she sees her father. You know what it is? You know what she she reminds me of? She reminds me of like, she reminds me like, you know, the the, the little girl mannequins that they'd have in the nuclear (laughs) test. Cities. That's what it is. This it's very. Pl- she's plastic looking with that. Yeah. Fro- like a, it's got like it's like a frozen facial expression. Mm-hmm. Same thing with her dad. He's just I don't know. Gary Shandling. Yeah. <laughs> I almost. You know, for, for the few shots, and we do have the color form dog too. I mean, there's in some shots the, sh- the dog looks really beautiful, and others he just looks weird. <laughs> like the uh, like the first shot of the dog where she says to him, um, when um, you know she says, "Oh, that's that's Krieg," and he's just standing alive, like he's posing. That's right, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? And 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 then later when he's fighting in, in some of the shots, it's just just awkward looking. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to have to give it overall, I'm going to give it a C for the art and the story, you know, it's, it's a decompressed story. It goes quick. It does introduce us to the character, sets things up a little bit. I'm, but still I'm going to give it a C as well. So I got a BCC. Yeah. You know me. Uh, yeah, cover, cover, I'd give a solid B. I, I actually really like the cover. Um, the interior, I, I gotta give it a C as well, just cause it's not, cons- if it was consistent the whole way through, then at least I could say it was consistent. And the story, uh, you know, I'd give, I'd give the story a B minus. It's like, like I said, standard fantasy fair, but it, it wasn't, uh, enough of a, you know, push towards a B plus or an A minus to get me to want to pick up the next one. Uh, I think I'm the dissenting voice on the cover. I'm not crazy about it. It's too busy. There's just too much going on in there, and there's too many characters that I'm not going to actually see in this story. The, the, you know, I mean, you, you got four four uh, insets in it, and only the dog is prominent inside the story of the four characters that are in there. So what, what's up with that? There's just no need for it. There's no need to make the cover that busy. Uh, and then, then you top it off with having to have like a, you know, gold, uh, gold border around it with intricate work on it. It's it just, there's, there's things to draw your eye away from the things you should be looking at. And, 
I just think that the layout is bad. Uh, I don't think the I don't think any of the renderings on the cover are particularly bad, except the dog kind of has a dopey look on his face. Um, so I'm gonna just say I would give it a C, but there's just too much going on that's not in the book, so I'm gonna go C minus on the cover. The interior artwork I probably would also go C minus, except there are enough good individual renderings in there. To, to bump it up to a C. Uh, you know, like the uh, the last page, I think is pretty cool. The very first splash page, I think is also pretty cool. And there's a few others throughout it that are, that are decent. But I think the storytelling lacks. I think the placement of the characters, I think, suffers again from his copy work. Um... Well, I, I love the the, the, the wide, widescreen shot of the village in flames. So it goes back and forth. It's inconsistent throughout. So I, I'm going to say, like I said, because of some good stuff in there, I'm going to give it a C. And story-wise, again, there's nobody... The story is fine. It reads through fine. It's not like I feel like, oh, my God, I can't handle reading this crap. That, that never happened. But it also never pulled me into the point where I think, oh, I want to read issue number two. So I'm going to say it's just okay. I'm going to say it's a C on the story as well. So overall, it's it's not Jaws, but it's not Apollo Smile either. (laughs) Why is Apollo Smile the the worst book ever? (laughs) The worst book in the history of the show. It beats out. It's worse than F Troop. What about March Hare? That is really bad. That's probably the second worst <laughs> book ever. You just wait till I do Apollo Smile 2. No. It, it's coming. I may not make that show. You know me. I miss a lot of the shows. Ten billion other comic books out there, and you're going to pick <laughs> that oh. one. You can blame Michael Siderlo. That's right. <sighs> this show is sponsored by Michael Siderlo. Coming soon. To back What's to up the with bins. the top of the dude's head on the last page? He's got the uh, that's that's a sigil. Uh, that was basically the on that that was the connecting thread through all the cross gen books. It was the insignia that showed of power for uh, different people. Uh, it's it. Uh, we don't have time to go through it on this this episode. You know what? It it doesn't <laughs> look like like he's got a tattoo on his head. It looks like his head is flat in that area. Yeah, it looks. It, it's a little awkward. It looks like another color form. Yeah, yeah, almost. Like it was tacked on after the fact or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, which I'm sure it was. Yeah. But also, like, the shadows and the shading he has on the head overall, it just disappears in that area, which just doesn't mm-hmm. seem right. Like, maybe you should have some shadows on part of it. I don't know. It's Like I said, it's, it's, it's not horrible, and, and we were definitely harsh on it. it it's It's, you know... It's it's when I say it's not Apollo Smile, there have been more than one. There's there's definitely been more than one book that I would say is worse than this one. There've been a lot of books that have been worse than this. Oh yeah. Who's talking in the background? Is, is oh, that God, the uh, Robinson clan? They're killing me. God, they're like a bunch of rippling harpies. <laughs> <sighs> Give them your credit card and tell them to screw for an hour and a half while you record the show. You'll be peace and quiet. It's like a bunch of hens cackling in there. 
they're they're making more puppy chows what they're doing. They've made like five batches of that crap. And you can be like, Dad, come here and eat some of this. I want my inheritance. <laughs> I don't want to kill you. I just want to put you in a diabetic coma. Well, it depends on how much she pumped up the life insurance. And how much she pumped up the sugar. Pump up the jams. Pump it up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go out there and just yell... I already went out there twice. Hey, you guys need to t- take this conversation and move it on the other side of the house, please. Move it inside out. the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get yeah. some. You gotta get some. Some. Uh, some no, I need to move and some egg I need, crates. You know? I need to move myself back over where I was on the other side of the room. But then we had that one during. I think it was the X Men month. When the motorcycle went by outside the door. Think think of how annoying they would be if you were actually inside the house with them. Oh. Why you gotta pickle me? Because I'm in the I'm in the garage. Because <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. Hey, I'm in I'm in my I'm in, I'm in my childhood bedroom at my parents' house, so I really shouldn't be saying anything. I mean, we, we but we have a very very solid friendship that's based on a mutual ability to make fun of each other and and. Just try and beat each other down. That's true. And by mutual, I mean I do it to you and you really just kind of hang out. <laughs> I just suck it up. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.libsyn.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. 